0: Jesus. So we pray tonight, God, once again that everything that's said and everything that's done here tonight would be pleasing to you, and God help us, Lord, to listen intently tonight, God, as you speak, God, and as you speak to our hearts. God again that we could do things that are pleasing to you. We commend this service into your care right now, Lord, in every aspect of this service. And again, God, I ask that you would direct as it pleases you. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? Amen. Amen. We'll dismiss all of our children, our teens tonight. Amen. And their teachers. Have your Bible want to go with us to Acts chapter 26 tonight? Acts chapter 26. Amen. We're going to be in verse 21 through 29. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve tonight. Amen. What an awesome God we serve tonight. Revival begins on the other side of the veil, guys. I was thinking about this, and God laid this message on my heart, and it kind of piggybacks a little bit on Sunday's message, where we talked about who Jesus was and the importance of getting to know Him and not allowing the distractions of this life to keep us from a real relationship, a true relationship in God. I've heard most of my adult life where folks talked about revival, Brother Ron. Where people talked about, I talked about, we all talk about this great revival that we're going to see, this great outpouring of God right in the last days. We've all probably talked about that. We've all probably heard somebody talking about it. You probably read about it in the Bible, right? Uh, this great revival. I think everybody, most people, most church people, right, and, and even some folks that, that may not go to church are hungry and looking for a great move of God. Amen? I truly believe that. I believe that everybody's looking for that revival, Brother Ralph. I, I just know there's a hunger. And we're all trying to figure out how do we get to this great place that the Bible speaks of where there would be these these great outpourings upon our sons and our daughters and and where old men would dream dreams, and we talked about Sunday, and our young men would see visions, when are we going to get to that place where we're going to see the greater things that God spoke of in His Word that we are supposed to see in this last day than the former church, right? Prior to you and I being here, okay? We're supposed to see greater things. That's what the Bible says. And I'm looking for that. You're looking for that. A lot of people are looking for that, Pastor. They are. And so the question came to my mind, when are we going to see it? Where is it? Where do we find it? What does it look like? How are we going to know it, right? This great revival. And God just dropped that title in my heart, and I gave it to you a minute ago. The mark revival begins on the other side of the veil. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about it tonight. In Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 26, verse 21 through 29. I want you to read this with me. I think these folks are going to have it on the board for us. We've got a wonderful, wonderful uh, sound team and technicians back there. Amen. We're blessed. The Bible says in verse 21 of chapter 26, For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, Paul speaking here to King Agrippa, and went about to kill me, he said. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying, none other than things that those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Paul was simply saying to King Agrippa and to all those folks that were there that day, he was telling them about Jesus. He was telling them about salvation. He was telling them about the goodness of God. And he said, these folks came to me trying to lay hands on me to kill me. And he said, all I've done from that moment to now is try my best to be a witness to small and great, saying nothing more than what the prophets and Moses said. In other words, preaching the word of God. Amen. So that's all I've been doing. He went on to say in verse 23 that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Not everybody gets excited when you and I start talking about the truth. Not everybody gets excited when you start speaking the Word of God. Not everybody does. Festus said, Paul, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Paul, you, you, you must be mad. Right? You're crazy. But that's not what he said. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm just speaking truth and soberness. For the king, he said, knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, For this thing was not done in a corner. It wasn't hidden. King Agrippa, surely, he says here, Believest thou these prophets? And he said, I know that thou believest, King Agrippa. Then Agrippa said this to Paul, and this is what really grabbed my heart here. King Agrippa said to Paul, Almost you persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. And he said, accept these bonds. Accept these bonds. I want you to go back to the Lord with prayer with me tonight. Praise your holy name, Jesus. Oh, we love you tonight, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We praise you tonight, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Touch your children tonight, God. Prepare our hearts and our minds, God, our souls to receive in the name of Jesus Christ. Thy will be done above all things tonight, God. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your words will not return to your void, but God, that everybody here tonight, God, would hold fast every word, God, that's spoken. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to be doing in each one's lives. For God, we truly seek you tonight. Your will, your truth. In all that we do, God. And Father, as King Agrippa said here, he almost was persuaded. He got up to the veil. But he turned back. Father, we pray tonight, God, once again, as we look into your word. Father, that you would be pleased. And God, that you would help each one of us to continue to press forward in all that we do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, almost. Almost. Do you know what almost means? Not quite. Almost means just a little bit further, right? Right? Almost means we almost achieved, we, we, we about got to the place to achieve whatever it was we're trying to achieve. We got close, but as they say, no cigars. Is that right? We got close, but no cigars. I mean, we got to the place that we could see it, smell it, touch it, but something happened. Revival begins beyond the veil. I was thinking about the day that Jesus died on the cross, a little under 2,000 years ago. The temple was still there. It was still built, right? There it sat. Jesus was in, on Galgotha or Calvary, which from where the temple would have been, would have probably been in the neighborhood of about maybe a quarter of a mile or something like that from, from where uh, the temple was to where Galgotha was, not very far Jesus hung on that cross that day and as He took His last breath, you remember what happened in the temple. The Bible says that the veil was written to from the top to the bottom. Torn in two. And when it was torn in two, what do you think happened in the temple? What do you think happened? The Holy of Holies was revealed. Amen? See, in the temple behind the veil, was the mo- that was the most holy place or the Holy of Holies. That's where... That's where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And the presence of God would come down and meet with them there. Okay, That's where He would come down and meet with them. And so as soon as that veil was torn in two, it exposed the Holy of Holies. And this is what God laid on my heart as I was looking into this message. I can imagine there were still some folks in the temple. Amen? I don't think everybody was probably gone in the temple. Again, I, don't, I haven't read that. I just got to believe there was people in the temple. Why do I believe that? Because the Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of, Ma- of the Son of God. So they were still trying to carry on the temple worship. So I had to believe there was a couple of folks there and just work with me. Maybe one of those folks was Jewish. Maybe one of them wasn't. Maybe, maybe they were just kind of in the area. Or maybe both of them were Jewish, given the fact they were in the temple. I don't know. But when that veil tore in two, I could just picture two things happening. One, the fellow that's the staunch Jew probably turned his back and thought, Oh my goodness, I can't look upon the Holy of Holies because God's righteousness is so righteous and because I'm a sinner that it would consume me, right? In the Old Testament, that's kind of why the temple was built. That's why the, that's why the veil was there, not because God wanted to be separate from His people, but simply because our sins could not stand His righteousness, Right? And that's why they had to sacrifice. That's why Jesus came. Okay, so I can imagine one of those folks had his back turned thinking, oh my goodness, we gotta to try to try to mend the veil, right? Trying to pull it back together because that's what he's always known, right? The veil's supposed to be there. It's supposed to be that way. We can't not allow that to be that way. So we gotta we gotta keep it together. And I can imagine the other fellow on the other side is probably thinking, Wow. <laughs> I've always wanted to know what was behind there. I've always wanted to see it. Right? And so I can imagine him thinking, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. And I can imagine him kind of taking a few steps going that way. He's trying to get in behind the veil since it's torn in two now. The other guy's trying to sew it back up. And the two of them just in a battle trying to, trying to sew it. This was trying to get through it. Amen? It's kind of the struggle that we see today. There's some folks... Right? They just can't get to the get to the place with God they want to get to, to that revival for their own lives for holding on to the traditions. Right? They've been all their lives trying to get to the Father, and now they have an opportunity because Jesus died for their sins and they can't see it. And they're just continuing to they're trying to cover it back up when all the while they're trying to get to it. But some folks see it. Some folks get it, right? And so when they see God move, they see, they see Jesus move, they run to Him, right? Mary comes to mind in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene comes to mind, right? There's several of them in the New Testament that come to mind. When Jesus was there, they went to Him. But that's kind of what I see happening, right? We all want that revival. But when revival begins to move or break out, we t- hinder it, right? We allow distractions, as we said Sunday, To stop us from getting to that place on the other side of the veil. God's intent for us was always for us to get on the other side of the veil. But because of sin, it had to be postponed until Jesus gave his life for us. So where does revival come? How do you get revival? On the other side of the veil. So many times, like I said, we all press forward. We all do things to get us to that place. We've talked about it, right? You start really living for the Lord, trying to do your best, trying to live right, right? And we start really digging into God. We finally just say, that's it. I'm going to lock into God. And we start moving that way, right? And, and then something happens about midway through the temple, if you will. Maybe sometimes right in front of the, the veil, we get hit in the face with something that just kind of shocks us. One of distractions in front of us. Right, we get knocked back a little bit, and what happens when that happens? We quit forward progress and we step backwards. Right, we're pressing toward revival. We're trying to get to revival. The church today is trying to get to revival, but every time we press forward to get the revival, when Satan puts one of them little roadblocks in front of us, and he kind of hits us hard, we back up. Right, and then what happens? You got to start all over again. Right. So here we were right in front of the veil, and something happens, and we go, oh, my gosh, and we back up. Next thing you know, we're not even in the Holy of Holies anymore. We're out there in the women's court. Amen? Let me explain how the temple was laid out. That'll make sense to you. So when you went up to the old temple, or in the, in the Old Testament, and now we're at t- the tabernacle, rather, you look at the temple of the New Testament, this is how it was laid out. You had the, you had the outer courts, which was the Gentile court. Okay, that was surrounding the temple. That would be where me and you would be. Then you had the women's court, which was just inside where the temple is, inside the gates. Okay, and then once you got past the women's court, you got into the court where the priests were. Okay, that's where the altar was of sacrifice. The altar of sacrifice. Once you got past the altar of sacrifice, now you went into the holy place. Okay, And inside the holy place, when you walk through the holy place, this is where the priests would go. You had the menorah, or the light on the left. On the right, the, 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 bread of show, or the uh, table of showbread. And then right in front of the veil was the altar of incense. And then you had the veil. Behind the veil was the most holy. It's where, we said a minute ago, the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence was. So we get, a lot of us get right there. Man, we get to the place we can see the veil, if you will, spiritually speaking, and if something happens, and we find ourselves outside the holy of the most holy, into the women's court, and if we're not careful, we're outside in the court of Gentiles, and before you know it, we ain't even in the, we ain't even on the campus anymore. And that's where we say, God, where did you go? What happened? I was so close, but it's not God, it's us, amen. Jesus made a way for you and I to approach the throne of God. When He gave His life for us, that veil was torn to not be put back up. Amen? Ever since Jesus died, it seems like we've tried our best to put the veil back up. Right? Every time God begins to move or pour His Spirit out on a church, sometimes it seems we'll ride that for a while, and then what we do is instead of just continuing on and just getting right up on God, Brother David, we just... We just start we get to the t- we get to the veil and we start thinking, well, this doesn't look right. I'm a, I'm going to fix it. And we start we start trying to you know put God again behind the veil. But Jesus said that he that when when he set us free, set us free indeed, right? And so when he died on the cross, it made it possible we could stay in the presence of God. Amen. Here's the here's the reason why Jesus is the high priest. And if we've got Jesus in us, He said in His Word, He called all of us priests. We now have the authority through Jesus to approach the throne of God without having to go through another man. Right? So revival begins with us. You've heard people say that, right? Lord, let revival begin in me. That is the right answer. Because you are a priest and I'm a priest. If you're truly saved... Truly blood-bought, truly forgiven of your sins. If Jesus is in your heart, you are a priest according to the Word of God. You have the authority and the privilege of approaching God's throne. Amen? And talking straight to God and not to anybody else. Isn't that awesome? We don't have to worry about, I told that guy this. Did he mess that up? What if he gets up to, up, to the, up to the Holy of Holies and he's making petition for me and I told him I needed a Toyota and he said, no, nah, he needed a bicycle. <laughs> right? I mean, he just messed it all up. But we don't have to worry about that. Now we can do it for ourselves. Revival, Brother Ricky, starts with us. We can start that revival. We don't need to wait on revival. We don't have to... We don't necessarily have to, have to pray or seek, although we do. But I mean, it's at our disposal. Just go get it. Amen. When He revealed the Holy of Holies or the, or the Ark of the Covenant or the place where God was to us, He just simply said, come and dine. Amen. He set a place for you and I at the table of God when that happened. He set a place for all of us. Your name is there. You've got your plate set, your cup, your knife, your spoon, your fork. It's there. Your napkin, Sister Lynn, it's there. All we have to do is just go sit down. Pull up and sit down and dine with God. Amen? How long can I stay there? As long as you want. Amen? There's no time limit on God. He would love for us to stay right there. But see, what happens sometimes is life gets busy, and we say, Lord, I've enjoyed it. I'll be back next Sunday. Lord, I've enjoyed it. I'll be back next Wednesday. Lord, I enjoyed it. I'll see you next couple of weeks. Right? We'll, thank you, Lord. The meal was good. I'll see you soon. Hold my spot. Amen? Save my place. You ever, you ever, well, you might not have said it like that. But we've done it if we're honest sometimes, right? But God said, you, where are you going? What's your hurry? Right? Can't you hear God saying that? It's good to see you, Mark. What's your hurry? Can't you stay a little bit longer? Jesus made a way for us to do that. And revival begins on the other side of that veil. What we have to focus on as children of God tonight, church, is don't let the distractions or the hindrances keep you from getting beyond the veil. The veil was just a a hindrance. It was necessary in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it's not necessary. It's a hindrance. Because the Bible clearly said here that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. 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 Now look, I come from where? Well, I'm from Jacksonville, North Carolina, but I've lived here most of my life in where Shoals area. And where I come from, nothing means nothing, zero. Now there's a lot of folks out there. Data will try to break down nothing to try to show me that nothing is something, but you've come along too late to to tell me that. (laughs) Nothing is nothing. Nada. Zero. When my dad said, you ain't getting nothing for cutting the grass, I got nothing. Zero. All right? So nothing shall separate us from the love of God except right here. See, let me, let's read that again. Romans 8, 38, 39. Let's just read that just a second. Paul said, I am persuaded. I understand this. Death can't separate you and I from the love of God. There are some people who think when you die here, that's it. No, no, no. Life does not separate us, or death does not separate us from the love of God. It just enhances it. Life itself in this life doesn't separate us, he said. Angels can't stop you and I from going beyond the veil. Principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Satan cannot. A third of heaven's angels cannot. They cannot, a third of them, plus Satan, cannot put together, stop you from getting to the presence of God. Because you are saved by grace. Jesus is in us. And because he's in us, Satan has no authority over us. So when you and I start marching toward the Holy of Holies, when we start on this path and we say, I'm going to get closer to God, Satan can't stop you. He can't stop me. You've heard me say it many times. All he does is threaten us and tempt us that's it it's up to us whether we pay attention to it and back up okay it's just a smokescreen he has no authority according to the Word of God okay angels can't stop you we all know how powerful angels are but they can't stop us and can't separate us from getting to our God it's what the Bible says he went on to say no height no depth no other creature none of these things can separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Almost, Paul, almost, you per, you persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. Almost you and I got close to God. Amen? Almost we got to a place with Him that He would change your life. I've watched people over the years come to church services and need to be saved. And you could see them holding on to the pews and... On to their children and holding on to songbooks and holding on to all kinds of things. And you could see that almost they wanted to come and give their heart to Christ. They got right up to the veil and then they walked away. Amen. You've seen that many times in, with people trying to get closer to God for, for sanctification or, or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they get so close and they back away. Right. Or in revival, right? When we're looking for revival in the house of God. Amen? They get close. And what do they do? Back away. Amen? They back away. They back away. Amen. 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 Don't let anything separate you from the love of God. Revival. Revival. Truly believe. God is waiting to pour revival out on this land. You and I went through something called COVID-19. We're still going through it. But I believe God's just waking His church up and He's letting us know. Revival. Amen? Revival. Revival. Revival is in the air. And the word revival simply means you must have had something in order to revive it. It had to be there one time and then something happened to it, so you revive it. Is that right? That's what revival is. Revival. I think God's really truly trying to get His church back. Brother Jimmy and I had a wonderful conversation before church. I think God's really trying to reach out to people and say, we need to be really real with God. Amen? We need to really be sincere with God. We need to really make sure that we have a relationship and make sure that we're seeking God for the right reasons. Right? That we're seeking Him because we want to know more about Him. That we're seeking Jesus because I just want to be close to Him. We need to make sure that we're not just chasing Jesus. Listen to me very closely. I think revival, revival doesn't happen sometimes in our own personal lives or in the life of our church because we're, we're seeking Him for the wrong reasons. You remember the Bible says we have not because we ask not, but then He said you have not sometimes because you ask amiss. Sometimes we're, we mean well, we're seeking God because I need a job. Not that that's wrong. But our whole intent to go to church and seek Jesus is because I need a job. Sometimes our intent is I need my family restored. Wonderful. Seek God on behalf of that. But if that's the motivating factor that you want to see Jesus, I think we're missing the mark. Amen. If our if the reason we want to see Jesus is so I can be financially stable, if the reason I don't want to see Jesus is so I could be healed. If if, if, all these things you and I think of, and those are wonderful things, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek Jesus for those things because He teaches us that. But I want to point out to you what the Bible says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Jesus, right? And then what? All other things will be added unto you. We have to start seeking Jesus for who He is and not what He can do. Amen? we got to start seeking Jesus not for the blessings but for the, for the blesser himself. Right? We need to start seeking Jesus, not just for salvation, but we need to seek the one who gives salvation. You see what I'm saying? we got to start seeking Him. It's Him that the church needs. It's Him that I need. It's Him that this world needs. We don't, need, we don't need more lawyers. We don't need more governors. We don't need all those things. We need Jesus. Simply put, the world needs Jesus. And revival begins here. Amen. And you say, well, I'm just one person. Yes, but one person also starts forest fires. Amen. You ever heard Smokey Bear say that? You can prevent forest fires. God's saying you set one. Amen. You can set it on fire. Amen. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. That's what he said. Fan the flames. Fan the flames. That's what God's saying in his word. I think that's ringing loud and clear to the church today. Revival will begin when we get on the other side of the veil. When we stop living in this side, right where man is, and start getting Brother Billy over where God's at, that's when you'll see revival. Amen? Because then we don't know what to do on the other side of the veil because we ain't never been there. Is that right? On this side of the veil, I know what to do. I know how to vacuum the carpet. I know how to light the menorah. I know how to get the bread on the table. I know how to get the incense going. I know about the altar sacrifice. I understand all of this out here, but I ain't never been over there. Amen? So when you get over there and I get over there, guess what? We are totally relying on God. Amen? And isn't that what we're supposed to do? When we get to where we totally rely on God, when we get to that place where He's in control and not us, I think we'll see revival. Because He begins to steer the ship instead of us trying to steer the ship. He's in control. He's in control. I'm going to try to say this and we're going to close here. Um, I think too many times in our zeal to see God move, we attempt to make Him move. I think churches, if we've been guilty of anything over the years, Brother Jimmy... We've tried to manufacture the presence of God. Either through our worship songs, or through elaborate speaking, or through decoration of buildings, or uh, um, I guess praise from here and not here. You with me? And there are a lot of people that seek Right, this great move of God, the supernatural, if you will. And their hunger's in the right place, their motivation's in the right place, but they're going about it all wrong. See, the thing is, you and I can't control the Spirit, the Spirit controls us. According to the book of Acts, this is what it says. When the Spirit of God began to move in the upper room that day, the Bible says that there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Okay? not They weren't fans then. They didn't have the electricity to do it, right? So it had to be a move of God. Is that right? And the Bible says that the Spirit fell upon them all. In the upper room. 120 of them. As of, a, as a, as of cloven tongues of fire. Amen? Just sat on them. And the Bible says, they all began to speak in other tongues. Quote that with me if you know it. As... The Spirit gave the utterance. As the Spirit gave the utterance. Remember that. That revival begins on the other side of the veil. And revival begins in us as we seek an approach. But the outpouring comes from God. Amen? Not from a man. Not from anybody else, but from God. We gotta get hungry, guys. We've got to get, um, or maybe you're already there, and maybe I gotta get there. I'm not sure. I don't want to say that. Some of y'all may be there. But I gotta get more hungry for God. I gotta get, I gotta get super excited, and I've got to make sure that I've got the spiritual energy to get from the outer court all the way through the temple, through the tabernacle, beyond the veil. Amen. And don't stop till I get there. Amen. All of us gotta make sure that we do that. And the only person that can do it's us. We got to prepare. We got to get ready. Long distance runners don't eat. Me and get up in the morning and think oh, I'll run a 25k. <laughs> They'll go 25 feet. There's preparation. You've got to eat proper. You got to exercise proper. You gotta you gotta hydrate properly, right? Running the race is awesome, but finishing it is even better. Amen. And the great thing with God is there's no first and last. He said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. All God's saying is, for goodness sakes, run. Amen. Prepare, get ready, run. Right? The veil's open. There's nothing going to stop you anymore. Just get here. Right? Get here. And so that's what I want us to do tonight. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I want us to stand, if you're able to stand at all, if you're not, God understands. He understands. But I really want to see... Tremendous revival break out in this church and churches around the world. But I'm not talking about in this building. I think a lot of times folks think that revival is when a church comes together in a congregation and we have a seven-day seven thing where a different preacher preaches or the same preacher preaches for seven days. And those are revivals and sometimes those are good too. But the revival I'm talking about is right here. And man, it just starts a fire in all of us. And we start being the church. See, the church is really outside the walls. Right? We're supposed to to be so on fire that, man, everybody we come into contact with on our jobs and at work. Or at work and job, same thing. House, wherever it is. Schools. Bilo. But you're so excited that you're spreading the gospel. Amen? That's revival. Revival begins when people begin to be saved and they see the presence of God. And they feel the presence of God and it's changing lives. Amen? That's revival. Not just when you come together in here, but it's when He moves, amen, everywhere, amen, through us and in us. Amen? You with me? Revival. Lord, it begins on the other side of the veil. Amen. I want you to close your eyes with us here tonight. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you taking time to listen. I pray that you would go back and read Acts chapter 26. Go back.